Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40, a weekly podcast about stepping outside of the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're your hosts, Dominique and Carrie, two 40-something-year-old friends and coaches who are on a journey to live the second half of our lives with greater flow and ease. Our passion is to guide and support our clients in becoming their most authentic and aligned selves. We love digging into a variety of topics and sharing some of our insights and perspectives through our coaching lenses. We both spent the first half of our lives trying to fit into a box only to realize we were burnt out and searching for a better way to do life. We are here to remind you that it's never too late to start living your best life. Let's get into today's episode. I think my favorite episode we've done so far, Carrie, is the episode we did on self-compassion and just how greatly powerful it is for healing within ourselves and also within the world. And when I think of self-compassion, it brings up for me the memory of starting my journey with healing anxiety and how incredibly hard I was on myself because I was under the impression, like so many other individuals, that it's it's almost like a, a life sentence that you're handed and there's nothing you can do about it. And that isn't the case. And I'm so excited for us to chat about this more today with our own experiences and then with myself going full in with learning and studying from some of the best leading researchers throughout the world and just applying it into my own life. So this is going to be fantastic, Carrie. I don't know. What are your thoughts on? I'm excited just to have like a personal chat about it, but for you also to be able to share your knowledge with us about it because you've taught me so much about anxiety in our time as being friends. Your social media has taught me so much about anxiety. So I feel like you have a lot of really valuable knowledge in this area that I'm excited for our listeners to hear more about. Thank you. Yeah. I, I'm one of those people that I won't take no for an answer. If something in me is telling me that this is not right. And that's exactly how it was when I originally had my diagnosis of anxiety. And there was something in me that was like, you know what, this is not a chemical imbalance. There is something you can do. And I really pushed to see different specialists to you know, really dive into some of the the research, the newer research that was coming out. And I am like so incredibly thrilled that I kept going and didn't take no for an answer or didn't take that final answer of, well, there's nothing you can do about it because it's chemical. And for the past five years, I would say I've been working so hard on understanding anxiety. And I even had a course a few months ago, Anxious to Zen, and seeing the results that my students got, it's just, it's like nothing else. So I think one of the biggest problems that we have, and I know I've talked to you about this before, Carrie, is that we we have this understanding or belief that mental illness or mental health is 
pretty much focused around chemical imbalance. And so anxiety falls under that. When in reality, you know, there's this paradigm shift that we're in such desperate need of in this world to not put so much emphasis on the brain's power. You know, it's not, we focus so much on thoughts and thinking and making sense of things. And that's the brain is a meaning making machine. But the body is where the power lies. That's our powerhouse. And to get a little sciency on you here, <laughs> when it comes to the body, 80% of our sensory messages that we receive throughout the day is from the body to the brain. And only 20% moves from the brain to the body. So why on earth are we continuing to focus on the health of the brain over the health of the body? That's just, obviously, you can tell I'm maybe a little bit frustrated with this. You're very passionate. And this is where I feel that that paradigm shift, that shift in perspective is so deeply needed. And do you feel like the the shift is starting to happen a little bit in recent years for people thinking in this direction more than just putting all that focus and emphasis on the brain? Absolutely. I am seeing it more and more in the community, especially on Instagram. And I've been lucky enough to connect with one of the leading researchers and specialists in anxiety. His name is Dr. Russell Kennedy. He also wrote the book Anxiety Rx, and I was able to work with him as a mentor. And he is the first doctor that I came across who said everything that I believed was true, that something in me said no, it's not your brain, it's your body. And he was the first doctor to admit that he feels the same way. He suffers from anxiety. And the way he healed himself was not through focusing on the mind, but focusing in the body. And this is where a lot of, you may be heard of inner child work comes from because our body stores memories and when it comes to mental health, anxiety specifically, Dr. Russell Kennedy says that it's an alarm that is going off within your nervous system to alert you of its needs. So if your body is holding memories that you haven't processed, then your body's going to do whatever it needs to do to make you face it. And that means it's going to act out in the form of anxiety or depression or other illnesses. Panic attacks. Yep. Panic attack for sure. And I've experienced that myself where for years, and I don't know if you can relate to this at all, Carrie, but like I would push away the the anxious feeling, the excessive worrying and the thoughts of the worst case scenario and what ifs, and I would ignore them and pretend they weren't even there. And it would just make things so much worse. Yeah. For me, I didn't even know they were there because it was my constant way of being. Hmm. I grew up in a household that was very anxious. So it was like that old saying about like a fish doesn't even know it's in water because that's just where it always is. And I think that was what anxiety was for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even 
no one even suggested to me that I was anxious until I was in my 20s. And a friend of mine, I was at a party and I only knew a handful of people there. I didn't even really know who was hosting the party because I was like with a friend. And the friend said, you might have social anxiety because I was so nervous at this party. And I was like, no, like I don't have anxiety. Like yeah. I thought it was the most off the wall thing I had ever heard. And then the more I just really sat back and processed it and thought about it, I was like, yes, I do have social anxiety. Yeah. yeah. And that makes so much sense that, you know, you said you didn't even realize it because it was such a part of your life. Like you don't know any differently. And I just thought everyone worries this much. My mom has said the same thing. She has since acknowledged her own anxiety mm -hmm. and she's like, you mean everyone doesn't like fixate on things and go in circles around right. it? Yeah. And that's, again, you know, that meaning making machine when we're trying to ignore signals that our body is sending us, you know, we then kind of move up into our, our minds and we try to make sense of everything and it just doesn't work that way. But I also am one who believes that trauma is linked to anxiety and Dr. Gabor Mate even, you know, states trauma isn't the event that happened, but how your body responds to the event. So it can be like an actual event, like an, an accident or something horrible, or it can be your upbringing like for yourself, where that's just simply how you were raised and your nervous system adapted to that. And so when it comes to trauma and the link with anxiety, it's it's ultimately, and Dr. Russell Kennedy shares this too, it's a separation from your authentic, your true self. Anytime we're trying to be something we're not, that uses so much energy. And it takes work and it's not who we are supposed to be. And our nervous system knows that. Our body knows that. What about you? When did you first realize your own anxiety and how did that come about in your life? I first started having issues with my blood pressure and heart rate when I was 28. It was like out of the blue I started having massive spikes in blood pressure and heart rate. And then in a couple of months later, after I was visiting doctors, they finally diagnosed me with POTS. And that stands for partial orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Anxiety is common with POTS. And so as I started to pay more attention to my body and the bodily symptoms, that's when I started to feel anxious because most of my life I spent dissociated. And that was my protective mechanism from past trauma. So because I dissociated, I had no idea what my body was feeling or trying to tell me. And my body had to go to that extreme with POTS, anxiety in order to get my attention. And when I started to actually pay attention and I wasn't taking no for an answer from the doctors, I just, I started researching and learning as much as I could about building greater awareness within my body. And I also want to like make a comment to that. 
when I was addressing it initially, I was addressing it with the hopes of getting rid of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it's not something to get rid of. That is one of the, I'll say, you know, if there was a mistake I made, I don't believe in mistakes, but if there was a mistake, that would be the one because anxiety or that heightened kind of alarm in our system is therefore our protection. It's amplified when we're ignoring it. Yeah. So that's, that's the big thing around it. So it's, it's one of those things where I don't look to get rid of it. I actually embrace it now, especially with the inner child work that I've done and recognizing that it's because of how much healing I needed to do and never addressed until recent years. It is an amazing thing to just have that mind shift of looking at it as a safety mm -hmm. mechanism there for our own support and not there to try to derail us in any yeah. way. Yeah. We we're we're built perfectly. You know, it's we're meant to survive and thrive. But when we fall off track, you know, we we have to know how to or we have to at least know when to get back on track. And that I believe is coming from the body manifesting, you know, in certain ways, illness and sickness. And, and for me, I noticed that when I started to address the anxiety, I totally made a shift in how I was experiencing it throughout my days. And I continue to feel that change and that freedom, that peace from it, where it's not controlling me any longer. I'm controlling it because I'm paying attention to my own needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's so powerful when you recognize that distinction between yourself, your authentic self, whatever you want to call it, and the anxiety. Yeah. And what I love is that, you know, in the recent years with research, more and more specialists, one of my other favorites besides Dr. Russell Kennedy is the holistic psychologist on Instagram. Do you follow her? Yes. Yes. Elon Dr. Has Nicole to her Pera. because it's mm -hmm. changing the whole yep. dialogue about mental health. And oh, it just gets me so excited when I see her posts and there was one post that she did a while back where she was talking about this shift in paradigm that I was that paradigm shift that I was talking about earlier. And she was talking about how we need to move out of mental health, mental illness being strictly mental within the brain. And we need to move into understanding that it is actually within our nervous system, within the body that we experience these challenges. And so the focus needs to be on body work first, and then we can start shifting into changing our beliefs and thoughts. And so, you know, with journaling and affirmations that people often focus on, those are all great. But if that's your primary method of managing anxiety, then you're still missing out on the core component, which is creating safety within your body, befriending all of the uncomfortable emotions that can come up for every one of us instead of trying to push it away. It's like trying to push away a, a child, you know, that is needing your 
comfort, your protection, mm -hmm. your love. And it's ultimately very much the same thing because with our bodies holding memories, if there was an event that left us in a space where we couldn't resolve that emotion, it's almost like time stamped in our bodies. And so I know this has happened to me plenty of times, but when you when you're talking to someone and maybe they get triggered and they start acting childish or they say something that's like, oh my gosh, why did I say that? I sounded like a five-year-old. It's literally the person getting triggered from a past memory. So they're regressing in age in that moment. And it's wild to learn about that connection wow. and how this memory gets timestamped. And this is us kind of flashing back whenever we have triggers. And the only way to address and resolve is by acknowledging, like you would, again, a child that needs a caregiver to help comfort them to process a challenging, you know, experience or emotion. That is really interesting. I've never heard it talked about in those, in that way. And it makes so much sense because we do, we see so many adults and I'm sure we as well, it sounds like this is a human mm. thing. Yeah, who it is. Have moments of immaturity, acting childish, acting out yeah. because of, like you said, that triggered feeling, but just being able to know that about ourselves and about other people mm -hmm. so that we can cultivate that self-compassion and compassion yes. for others will help us move forward, will help us, like you said, acknowledge the anxiety, but embrace it as something positive. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, again, it's something that is that signpost for when we're off track. Yeah. When we're out of balance. You know, I, I feel like when we experience pain, challenges, discomfort, those are our signposts for alerting us to, okay, this isn't allowing us to be authentic or true to ourselves. So we need to kind of bring some awareness into the situation and, and put some focus in certain areas. And, and, you know, with these times where we regress and I feel like none of this is to be blaming or shaming yourself at all, because we all do it. It is human nature. Mm -hmm. The important part is just becoming aware of like, oh, wow, I said this because you know what? This maybe got triggered because I didn't feel safe or I didn't feel like I was being heard. And being aware of it is the first step in being able to correct a behavior that is maybe less than desirable. And I I also feel like the more we befriend these behaviors, then the more self-compassion we are cultivating. And like you said, you know, the understanding of what it is to be a human, mm -hmm. human informed. I like to say that sometimes instead of trauma informed, because again, our nervous systems, they create all the stories, you know, we have within our lives of safety, danger. And it's, it's about really just loving ourselves as best as we can and through greater awareness that that has helped me like tremendously and my clients and my students in my course. And 
you know, by no means is any of this information <laughs> to replace medical advice from your doctors. But I think when it comes to experiencing it within your own lives and seeing it in other people's lives, I've seen tremendous movement with my clients and again, my students by really incorporating a lot of this body work that we're talking about, Carrie. Speaking of body work, do you have any ideas or tips for different body activities that have helped you? Like you said, we're not giving any medical advice, just talking about our own personal experiences with what has helped us manage those moments of anxious feelings through body work. Yeah. And I actually, I taught my students a couple of practices that are super, super simple. When we feel like we have high energy in our systems, maybe some of that anxious energy, shaking is one of the best things that I have found. I will do that like when I'm at work at the, the therapy clinic. I'll go into the bathroom if I feel like I'm just high energy, a little bit nervous, and I'll just start shaking my arms. I'll start shaking my legs, just literally like you are trying to shake that energy out of your system, doing that for a minute and then checking in with yourself and feeling like, okay, is that buzzing a little bit less intense? Do I feel like I'm just more relaxed? That is a tremendous help for me and has been for my students as well. Mm -hmm. Also breath work. I know you like breath work. Yeah, right? um, I do. What particularly? Like there's so many different ways. And I am not trained do in breath have... work, but okay. some of the like online yoga practitioners I do yoga videos with, which yoga is another great one to get into the body. But I do notice when I do a class that has a breath work component, I feel even more relaxed, present, and grounded than if I just do the yoga postures. So mm -hmm. a variety of different kinds of breath work and some of them have like you shouldn't do them if you're pregnant or have heart conditions. So always, always read the notes before doing any kind of like breath work video if you're not in person. Yeah. But like alternative nostril breathing is really helpful. There's one, I forget what it's actually called, but like where you like sort of plug off your ears and cover your eyes and you do like a slow oh. like a humming on the exhale so you do an inhale and then you have your voice turned on on the exhale and you just are it really brings you inside your body because you're That's blocking awesome. out the outside stimulation yeah yeah that is awesome yeah like you said there's so many different techniques it can be a little overwhelming but one breath work technique that I use constantly and I think is just a foundation for anyone is a simple one to two ratio. So say you are inhaling for four seconds, you would exhale for eight mm -hmm. seconds. And the purpose of that is to stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest state. So this is where you can slow your heart rate down if you're experiencing panic or anxious, you know, thoughts or feelings. And sometimes it can be a challenge though, if you're really in panic. So that's where shaking, I think is a good place. If you're high, like energy feeling and the breath work could be really helpful for when you maybe are noticing yourself starting to get a little bit, you know, worried and you want to kind of 
put it at ease before it gets too crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Breath work, yoga. I also use sleep as a way to just relax. I know this might be counterintuitive for a lot of people because sleep when you're worried or anxious might not be possible for you if your mind is spinning and racing. But I've always felt very grateful that I tend to be able to use sleep almost as a form of escape. Some people use food for comfort, but like I'll go lay down, take a nap and just let my body completely rest. So sleep for me is something I'm lucky to be able to access easily, but I know that might not be the case for everyone. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that because I feel the exact same way. And I believe it has to do with us being projectors in human design. Projectors are a little bit more sensitive within the nervous system as well. And we are in greater need of sleep. And when we're sleep deprived, that affects the nervous system. And so as this being a form for us to also, when we lie horizontal, that allows us to discharge a lot of the energy that we hold on to, you know, just sleep in general isn't necessarily like a coping mechanism. We're not using it to distract ourselves, but for a lot of people is really important and effective for regulating the nervous system for sure. And besides sleep and the yoga, I love yoga too. Like that is absolutely one of my go-tos. I think to keep it so incredibly simple for anyone who wants to get started with better management of anxiety is to learn how to be more present because when we're feeling anxious, we're up in our minds. We are not being present within the safety in our environment. Of course, not every time are we actually safe, but a lot of the times when we experience anxiety, we're safe, we're sound. We can make use of our surroundings by using our five senses to bring us present. So I like to, you know, look around and say, okay, what colors or what items do I see in my environment? What do I smell? What do I hear? And that automatically brings you into the present moment because it brings you into your body, which is where it starts. We have to have that sense of safety and presence in order to then start to process what's coming up for us. So I think, again, just learning how to be more present with these feelings that come up. And maybe that starts with just like five seconds. If it's too overwhelming, see what you can do with it. Maybe it's five seconds, maybe it's 10, but little by little. And that's something that the holistic psychologist talks about too, is she likes to start people off at setting a timer to go off randomly a couple of times during the day where you stop everything you're doing and you just sit and you be with yourself and with your environment, no distractions to learn how to be more aware and present. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing it with friends and or family. We'd be incredibly grateful if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your preferred listening platform as it really helps. 
If you'd like to reach out to us, you can connect with us through our websites or Instagram, which are all linked in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Our theme song was written by Michael Ahrens.